Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to the C-Note FM. I am slowly starting to figure out my rebranding. I think I'm going to go with the name Dopamine, D-O-P-E-Amine, A-M-I-N-E. And uh, I'm going to work out a logo and all that situation. So this channel, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep my name on this channel or just change it to Dopamine because it's... I'm mostly just focusing on putting out the podcast on this station right now. I haven't really been using Anchor for generally what it's intended for. I'm just using it as a platform to post my podcast, um, uh, which is a weekly affair every Wednesday. So today um, I'm posting my interview with Natalia Younger-Levy, who is a uh, – she focuses on helping businesses to improve their uh, culture to retain talent. So she she retains talent. She helps people, uh, uh, clients, to make sure that the the working environment and both the uh, the bosses, the CEOs, the owners, and the employees are doing everything they can to create a harmonious work environment so that people can work together and uh, and uh, you know keep talent on board. Because it's a shame when you get someone good in your business and then they get uh, poached by somebody else or, or whatever. But she also has a very heartfelt story about um, her past uh, being in the foster care system and using her knowledge uh, of helping people within the corporate environment to translate that into helping the foster care system with a... Uh, initiative that she's working on, a nonprofit that she's working on. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but listen to the podcast and um, she'll tell you a little bit about that story. She'll tell you who she is, what she does. And um, there's a lot of great information. If you're a business owner that is having struggles with this, this is a great podcast for you. If you are someone who is interested in the foster care system or um, you know any, any kind of struggles uh, mental health wise, having to deal with that, um, she has really channeled her energy into something incredibly positive, into a business that has been helpful on a practical standpoint, but is also building to something bigger and something um, beyond herself and really kind of using her experiences as a method to power her forward. So I think it's a really great podcast. It, there's, a, there's a lot of really great messages in here. It's... Um, She's really great to talk to and a really lovely person. So I'm pretty excited to share this with you. Uh, stay tuned for some updates on the podcast branding update and change. I really like the idea of where it's going to go. Um, you might not see it fully fleshed out until maybe a few weeks from now, but I've got a couple great episodes um, coming up. I've been talking to some really great people, and I've got podcasts planned and recorded until the end of March, first week of April at this point. So um, things are going well. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I feel pretty good today, which is nice in terms of my mood check-in. And I want to make these intros something uh, uh, filled with a little bit more depth. So I'm going to be playing with some comedy writing, some, um, some other things uh, going on. Uh, in my life and sharing uh, a little bit more of like a supplement of of the topic and what we've been talking about and stuff. And, um, you know, as this thing starts to grow, maybe I'll do post podcast like breakdowns or recaps or uh, Q&As or something like that. I'm going to be playing with other things in terms of Facebook Live, stuff like that. So if you're not following me on my Facebook, facebook.com slash rival design, that is my personal Facebook account. I think I'm going to change that to C-Note if, if, I, if that's available. 
uh, so that's easier to find me. And uh, yeah, that, that'll be a great way to connect with me. And over the course of February, as of now, I'm planning to do lives all month in February on my personal Facebook account. That means 28 days of Facebook lives in different formats. I want to play with the format. I want to see what is clicking for people, what does, uh, what works. And, um, and, you know, just, just have myself a, a real good time, have fun, connect with people and enjoy each other. So, um, without further ado, listen to the podcast with Natalia Younger Levy and enjoy. Drums, to productivity and creativity and with me today i have a good friend of mine natalia younger levy say hello to the people hi <laughs> welcome to the podcast um real quick just uh give us the kind of synopsis of of who you are what you do and um uh, where you're from Sounds great. So I'm Natalia Younger-Levy, and I um, typically work with established business owners who are struggling with retaining talent and um, have high operating costs and are frustrated with employees just not showing up to work. And with my simple process called the five keys to retention, I help employers provide more value for their employees so that their employees are engaged and satisfied. I help the employers reduce their turnover, lower operating costs, um, so they can increase their profits and pretty much grow a sustainable business. I think what what a lot of business owners want. Um, and so most of my career has been in the insurance industry, and I'm an employee benefits specialist. And I've brought in this retention aspect of my business a few years ago to just add more value for the employers. Right. That's really interesting. Um, what, what kind of problems do you run into with, um, with businesses running? Um, um, you know, what kind of problems do businesses have with retaining co- uh, talent usually do you see? Like, is it poor management, um, uh, uh, poor uh, situations? Like, what, what does that entail and, and um, what kind of problems do you see? That's a good question. Um, so I, I think the, the most typical, like I call it symptoms that, that kind of start to show up, um, when a company has a retention problem is the employees uh, are not engaged. So they show up to work, but they're really like, you can tell they're, they're there, you know, from the, the, the time that it's like the nine to five kind of mentality. Um, and they're pretty much doing like bare minimum. Um, there is, you know, c- conflicts between management and employees, um, disgruntled employees and you probably most likely the business owner has a lot of like resignations coming in waves because that typically when one employee um, quits or is laid off, the rest of the crew feels it. And even though it might not be evident right there immediately, like it, it starts to show up within a few weeks because the rest of the employees need to now make up a little bit more work while you get somebody else in to make up for the person that left. And so it puts more stress on everybody and it just kind of creates this, like it brings down the the morale in the business. So those are some of the, the symptoms that business owners um, feel. And it, it's not always so evident that it's a retention problem. So typically I'll talk to them about, 
you know, the culture going on in their company with their employees. And a lot of times I find that the employers are just really disconnected from that. They have a, they believe that it's an HR issue. And so a lot of the fixing comes in place when I get everybody together and get everybody on the same page and we get strategies going. And then we execute those strategies within a six month period. And typically by the time the year is over, the turnover has decreased by about 40%. Um, mm-hmm. Employees are bringing in twice as much profit. So a lot of good things come from, from having an employee first culture. Yeah. I mean, people, people are important, which is why I talk Heck, about yeah. mindset and health. You know, it's like if you're, if you're not even treating yourself as an individual, well, then how can you perform or, or do the work well that you need to do? Uh, so, I mean, that's super rad. I didn't even know that after we talked about, <laughs> talked about results for a while. So that's pretty cool. Um, do you typically work with um, like CEOs and management or is it, do you talk to employees as well? Yes. And like uh, kind of go from, from management to employees, depending on the problem. Exactly. Well, it's always actually um, any problem. Uh, because part of it is having everybody be on the same page, right? And so it's a two-way street. There is activities that the employers have to participate in uh, and have to kind of maintain that that it's a priority to stay engaged with their employees and to to build a, a culture that works for everybody. And then the employees have responsibilities too. It's not like it's all on the employer just to get these things going and then they show up to this, you know, beautiful like employment of like all of their dreams they have to put in some effort and time and be you know they have their own part of the agreement that they have to uphold right like any kind of any good relationship it's a two-way street you know you have to be a good happy employee and uh, be a good happy manager (laughs) all the it's a it's a beautiful relationship and you know interestingly enough like people people will look at you know, big companies like Google or Apple and all of these like huge facilities they have and like nap pods and uh, and, and like their own cafeterias and stuff. And uh, I, I get the perception that a lot of smaller companies are like, we can't afford that crazy stuff. So how can we take care of our employees? But it's really about what, what that is on a larger scale is finding ways to take care of people. Um, so, I mean, would, would that be accurate in saying that like, it is about people and relationships more than it is about like the environment or the stuff that they're surrounded by. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but it, it is a little bit of both, but you hit the nail right on the head with, um, with what you were saying. So it, it is environment. Like you, you do have to have a good culture because you can bring employees in and offer the best employee package, like pay that's, you know, more competitive than market, what the market is offering and amazing employee benefits. And that just gets them in the door and gets them to say yes. But once they're there, if they figure out within the first six months that the culture is terrible, that the employees are overworked, there's no breaks. Um, you know, management is pretty much just barking at you. There is no two-way communication. And that's not a pleasant environment to show up to on a daily basis. So even if you are offering a really robust type of pay and amazing packages, people will still leave because it's not a rewarding place to be at on a daily basis. So it's it's really a balance of, that's why I call it the five keys to retention. 
because it's a balance of all the five keys and making sure that they're they're working together to really create the type of environment that you want that helps sustain growth. And when you were speaking about those those big companies, um, and like I was mentioning, you hit the nail on the head, like a lot of corporations that you might from the outside look and go, oh, wow, this is a huge company and they're doing so much business and they are, but it doesn't mean that they're retaining profit. Like there could be a number of reasons for that. Um, but a, a big portion of it is like out of control operating costs with recruitment. And so if you can really hone down on creating the right culture and the right engagement with your employees, then the other side of that, the benefit is you really cut down on your onboarding costs and recruitments and, and training costs because you're able to retain the employees. And so that mm -hmm. also helps the business become much more profitable just by by taking care of your people better. And sometimes right. a lot of like small businesses do have that belief that like, oh, we're really small. We've only got like a handful of people. So we can't be offering these type of benefits like go break the bank. And um, those are my favorite folks to work with because I really love to show them how they can offer so much to their employees without taking on any extra costs. There, there is opportunity to take on extra costs if they want to do more, but it's not necessary. What I found interesting in all of what you've been talking about so far, and well, first of all, the fact that you know your stuff and you're on it is fantastic, and I love it. It's great. Um, Thank you. But uh, some of the employee responsibility side of it, you know, we typically look at, you know, businesses and it's like, oh, it's management's job to make sure the employees are happy or the CEO's job or the business or whatever. But employees have a role in that, too, in making sure that they're uh, asking for the things that they want. And um, I mean, I'll let you speak to that a little bit more because obviously you're the expert in this, but um, it seems like, you know, like I said, in, in, in all kinds of relationships, whether it's employee and manager or, uh, uh, you know, person to person uh, marriages, things like that, you know, it, it's about communication, mutual trust and respect and asking questions and asking for what you want. Um, like, can, can you speak to the employee side of their responsibility that they need to uphold to make sure that they're having a good, the, the culture that they want? Yes, um, so it, it is about just speaking up and in, in the right opportunities too. Um, and so those are usually, um, opportunities, you know, in beginning in the onboarding process about what it is that you expect from your employer. And after being hired, making sure that, that there is an open line of communication. I think sometimes employees, um, feel that they can't tell their employees certain things like maybe something about the environment makes them uncomfortable and they feel like mm -hmm. they're too new to be able to voice it, but it is important to voice it in the right time. It's not like while you're passing in the hall, just kind of telling your manager, Hey, you know, this is uncomfortable, but more like ask him for a time. That's, that's a good time for both of you guys to meet, sit down for like a 10 minute conversation and just say, Hey, you know, I, I, here for this long and this is what I've noticed and this is how I feel about it. And so really having that open channel and, and the employee knowing and, and speaking up is important and that's something that they have to own. Right. It's, it's important from an individual standpoint to really be able to, A, have the self-awareness to realize that something in the environment is bothering you, but then have the 
the strength and building those relationships with your management to be able to talk to them and share what the problems are. Uh, I have a lot of good personal stories that revolve around this, actually, if you don't mind. Um, uh, just kind of generally, like with me and my mental health issues, um, I've had cyclothymia, which is a low-grade bipolar disorder, and um, that affects my mood, which means some things in my environment can affect my mood, the people I interact with, um, and even things things like uh, loud noises or um, lots of noise in an environment, too many people, things like that. I've had um, previous employers that moved us into like more of an open environment and that kind of crushed me. It didn't work for me uh, to have sort of like this 300 people in one giant room. Like that was terrible. <laughs> it was just too much noise. And uh, I had to be, basically I spoke up eventually and had to be moved. Um, and uh, with my last job, I finally learned to get ahead of it up front. Um, I spoke to my manager in Basically, when I was onboarded and when I started talking and having conversations, luckily, they're, they're very people focused and they had one on one conversations with me, me and my manager and then my creative director. And I let them know that, like, this is who I am. There's going to be some situations where maybe I need to make some adjustments. And I just want to know that I can speak to you about that. And if you're honest about who you are, it seems that you're you're able to, like, share that stuff with management. And they'll they'll most people, if they're decent people and decent managers, uh, uh, will, will make that adjustment for you it seems yeah they they should uh it's important to be able to have those open lines of communication and understand what your employees needs are especially up front and i know what you mean that not every environment is perfect for everybody um like the environment that you just mentioned of working in a room with 300 people that's happened to me too i spent some time at a call center and i was like this 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 is not for me like i can't concentrate when i hear you know, 10 other people talking in the room, I can't concentrate on the person I'm speaking with over the phone. And, you know, for, for me, I just didn't last long in that place. Um, and so it's important to, to have a right fit to know what's going to be expected of you when you join the team, and for the employer to know what you expect of them to be productive. Right. Are there, right. Are there things that employers can implement into their onboarding process or is this something that you rather, is this something that you, you, you work with them on to, to really change some things on the onboarding process to kind of encourage people to be more open about their needs? Um, so during the interview process, because of, you know, certain laws that prevent us from being able to ask a lot of different type of questions, um, so I'd say it's more like after the hiring process, the, like the, the beginning training, like I, I would have an orientation for all, and during that orientation really speak into the company's core values and the culture and, and what work is going to look like on a daily uh, basis or on a yearly basis, talk about opportunities for growth. Um, or if somebody needs to reach out and they have a, um, what's the protocol for that? How do they, they go about that? And so that way there's a roadmap at the very beginning and, and people know how to navigate that system versus for, you know, like I, without that kind of communication and the employees knowing who to go to and when the right time to go to them regarding a problem, they, it's, it's like this, you know, employees have things that they want to tell their manager and their managers don't know about it. And there's, if there's no roadmap, it becomes this confusing 
environment. And there's a lot of hostility that actually comes from that and even resentment. And so it's so much easier to get in front of the problem and create those solutions and just have people understand that they can get a hold of you and how to get a hold of you or that they can voice their needs or whatever their needs are. And, you know, the employer still has a decision of whether they, they want to provide that or not. Um, so uh, during the, I, I guess, the, the beginning of the onboarding process, like having a uh, orientation, really having things written out, like have an employee handbook so they know what, their, what the expectations of them are. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things are super important and help. Right. Um, are, are there situations where uh, you go into a, an environment and uh, you kind of have a group chat with everybody, for instance, and... Uh, is, is, are there times when it's evident that, that either a manager or an employee is not a good match for the company? And you guys, do you guys make suggest, do you make a suggestion uh, as to whether or not to keep certain employees? Are there obvious situations where somebody just shouldn't be working in those environments and you suggest to get rid of them? Or is that not something you guys dive into? Um, I mean, on a personal level, uh, being, being in this industry for a very long time, yeah, I can sense when when it's not the right fit, but that's not something that I, um, if, if a manager asks me like directly, you know, you've met with a hundred of my employees, who do you think are, you know, the, the, at at the highest risk to be quitting tomorrow, then I'll mention who they are and I'll speak into why and maybe why I think, you know, what, what parts of the problem were or where the disconnect is, why it might not be a right fit. Um, but that doesn't mean that those things can't be changed. So if the employer feels like the employee is valuable and has some skill sets um, that are special and that might not be easily replaceable, then there's got to be a level of compromise there. Um, so depending on, on what it is that the, you know, that's not making the employee a right fit, sometimes employees can be habitually a little bit late, like within five minutes. And so if you know, being three minutes or between a minute to five minute late consistently is, is something that you can deal with, for the skills mm-hmm. that they have, then, then it's a good compromise. But if that, that tardiness just really erodes at the business and people aren't able to function as a team because of that, because that time frame is, is so tight or so necessary and a compromise can't be made, well, then they probably aren't a right fit. Right, right. That's a, that's a good, um, good analysis of that. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are who are listening are like, she mentioned five keys to retention and you haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is that something you want to speak to? Or are you willing to talk about what those five keys are a little bit? Um, maybe not the whole thing or just say where they can find more about it, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So the, the five keys to retention are core values, culture, competitive mm-hmm. benefits, community, and crew. So they're, they're all general uh, but it's about how we implement them and what we do with them. And so I, I can't just give, it's not like a template because every employer has a different type of retention problem. Or some people might not even know that they have a retention problem. They may be going through um, a symptom of it like over and over again, but not particularly know that it's a retention problem. So I always invite everybody to call me um, to, or to schedule a call with me. And you can go to talk to Natalia dot com mm-hmm. um, and okay. and schedule an appointment there or you can go to my website which is nataliayoungerlevy.com and there is a tab mm-hmm. there to book a call and we can get on the phone and talk about what some of the problems 
or some of the things that the challenges, struggles that you're experiencing with your business and what, you know, whether you do have an employee retention problem or not. And I have a checklist um, that employers can go through on their own time, or they can go through that checklist with me, whatever makes them more comfortable and really authentically sit down and ask themselves those questions of like what their company culture is and, you know, are their employees showing up and how are they showing up and how is the management showing up? Um, so it's a, it's a two page checklist. It's pretty quick to go through and it has the five keys on there and it gives uh, employers a really good idea about what employee retention entails and what like a employee first company culture would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's rad. There's, there's a lot in there um, to, to learn from and to think about even just with those, those core elements with culture and core values, like even just looking at those words, you can kind of get the general sense that these things are important, but it's important to, like you said, realize that these are not templates. These are things that you have to look at what's unique to this company and this culture and what fits because, you know, somebody who might have particular values might just not fit into this company at all. It might just not work. Uh, uh, So that's, that seems like it's it's an important thing to, um, to break down. That's pretty rad. Thank you. Um, And not all companies of, um, or I, I should say different size companies would have different types of strategies. So a strategy that I would uh, recommend for a, you know, a small business that's got about eight people would not be the same strategy that I would recommend for a business that's got 350 people. Right. Um, so, so with like larger companies, like you were saying before earlier in the podcast that um, some of the employers might get disconnected from what's going on in the company. So, so what kind of examples of that do you, have you seen? Is it someone who's just like not literally in the business or in the building, um, someone who's not communicating with their employees or just has no idea what's going on? Any, anything like that that happens? That definitely happens a lot. Um, so especially the higher up management, you go like directors and um, sometimes they do get disconnected from the business because they've outsourced a lot of those things. And especially um, depending on the level of outsourcing that their HR, like if they have um, a professional uh, organization handling, you know, like a temp organization handling a lot of their employee needs. So they're even more disconnected. So they kind of have that belief that if there's something going on with their employees, they really need to go to that HR department or handle it with them. And so it's a, it's a, good excuse to just kind of lay lean back and go oh that's not my problem Uh, but it is everybody's problem and so that's just getting getting people focused on that employee retention needs to be a top priority it's like employers spend so much money recruiting these people and going through the onboarding Mm -hmm. process and and training them for like it's it's devastating to lose a person after six months that we just put all that that time and effort in and it's just even more devastating if it's like a manager that's been around for a year and a half or something and has gotten really to know your business and some of the unique things about your company that makes your company even better at servicing people. And then imagine that manager leaving for a small race to your competitor. And then all that knowledge they're taking to your competitor. Right. That sucks. It really (laughs) really does. Yeah. 
Um, so sometimes employers think, oh, well, you know, we don't have an employee retention problem because all the people that quit, I wanted them to quit anyway. Um, so, so all of the, whether it's people that you wanted to quit or people that you didn't want to quit, it's more at looking at why that's happening and focusing and solving some of those problems or. Right. And, and right. And if you're a CEO of a company and not taking ownership of your company, how are you going to expect management or employees to feel some sense of ownership over the company? If you're not leading by example, Exactly. that seems like a pretty clear, um, pretty clear thought there. Um, so another question I had was like, what types of, what types of businesses do you typically work with? Do you have, I mean, I don't, I don't think you would exclude yourself from any type of business, but, um, what typically has come up like it companies, marketing agencies, um, what do you usually work with? So that's an interesting question. Cause you know, I've, I've been in this industry for almost 10 years. So I built mm-hmm. a large part of my business without the retention part at first in the beginning. And so I would, I'm, and you, if you go to my website, you could see all the different um, um, companies that I've worked with, but I've, I had the post office here within three counties is, is a big client of mine and the sheriff department, um, mm-hmm. police and fire. So I've worked a lot with government employees and that's where I built my, my basically my base. Um, and mm-hmm. I've also worked with smaller um, employers like clinics, dentists, um, uh, healthcare clinics to be more specific that might do dialysis or chemotherapy, um, stuff like that, uh, or small, small doctor's offices. So, and most recently since California has, um, now become, you know, a a recreational marijuana state, I have been Mm -hmm. working with cannabis business owners because they're going through a lot of changes right now. And their retention mm-hmm. tends to be equivalent to like a call center. They've got like a 60% turnover rate. Um, so there's a lot of room to basically grow there and be able to help those businesses have a, a better bottom line and kind of stop the bleed in the sense of, of losing your people consistently. Yeah, there are so many people that are going to be really or really are jumping onto the um, reductively the weed business <laughs> because because uh, I, I just got a call from a friend of mine. I was in previously in San Diego for about seven years, and um, I had a call from a guy in San Diego. He was just like, "Weed just got legalized. I've got an idea for a t-shirt business that <laughs> is like higher end clothing line, but to weed smokers." And I'm like, "I'm probably going to get a lot of calls like this." <laughs> uh, because I mean, it's a it's a big business. There's going to be a lot of opportunity in it, and you're you're definitely right to uh, strike while the iron is hot for that. Yeah, it just <clears throat> it just felt like a natural progression of what I live in Los Angeles, um, so it's it's booming here right now, and it just felt like a natural progression of what I'm you know already doing. Like I've been working with with companies to provide them you know insurance benefits for their employees, and now I'm just adding. Uh, or it's not now, like it's been for a little bit, adding this company or this employee retention portion of it to really, um, the reason why I did it was to tie in the everybody in the company together on the same page. Because before I was only doing employee benefits. And I noticed while speaking to the employees that they were having a lot of challenges. And the employers would also tell me about some of the challenges. But I felt like I was in the space where like, oh, you know, that's not what, what I 
came here to help you with. And they weren't particularly asking me for help either. They were just sharing these struggles and I was hearing them on both sides. And after years and years, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can, I can help here. And so I, I started to and realized that so much good came from that. And, and employers were so much happier to not only provide the employee benefits to their employees, but really provide other um, intrinsic parts um, of their culture and, and really create a, a package that's not just about insurance or retirement or days off, that it, it's, more, uh, core, it's more based in their core values and creates this company culture that's open and employee first type of culture where everybody's so like the synergy is just so much better and everybody's working together and the company grows so much quicker and makes more money when everybody is working together. I always say teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, me too. That's one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's nice to hear that, um, you know, that the tides are definitely shifting in terms of like people just kind of caring more about each other. You know, it, it's kind of like a generational shift too, I think, yes. whereas maybe previous generations just wanted the benefits. They just wanted the pension. They just wanted to sit and press the button and wait for retirement <laughs> and just like, just leave me alone until I get my paycheck and I can sit on the couch and be left alone. But it seems like more people are, and, and not really just, uh, you know, younger people. And, and I say generational shift, but like, it's really everybody who's currently existing is um, thinking more about their value of life in day-to-day -day life, you know, with, with not just, not just planning for vacations or retirement or, you know, just having good health benefits, but really finding ways to enjoy their daily experience. And that includes working every day. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think that's kind of like fascinating and interesting that that's something that you, that you work with is to kind of give people not just business owners, but employees, the opportunity to just enjoy their lives more day to day and, and have a good working environment and realize that this is a lot of time that they're spending in their lives in this place and they need to work to make it the best that they can. <clears throat> that was a lot of words. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Um, so uh, just kind of one, one last question in terms of the overall scope of everything. Um, if you could kind of give, uh, you know, a business owner that's listening, just like a nugget of information in terms of like what they can do now to do to, to on their own to reduce turnover. Like one thing that they can do to go into their business and do every day that is going to make sure that they're retaining the good talent that they have. Oh gosh, if, if I had to pick one thing, and, and especially mm -hmm. not knowing what the company's situation is like, I would say stay right. interviews. Stay interviews okay. are important because a lot of people think about doing exit interviews and that's already mm -hmm. the person is like leaving, walking out the door. Right. Um, but getting grounded with your people while they're still there and checking in and, and having an opportunity to um, talk about what they want like where they see their career going, um, what, what they w would be looking for this year might be different than next year. So that's why it's important to, to check in consistently. So, and I call those state interviews. Um, that's, if I had to say one thing, that would be the one thing. 
That is a really good answer. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a good way to get people to, to, to try to work with that. And then, you know, look at the bigger issues in their company and like, you know, reach out to Natalia if you need more help because she knows her shit. <laughs> Definitely. And if they're looking for more than one thing, they can sign up for my, my uh, email campaign. And in that email campaign, I have 10 emails and both all, I mean, every email has at least two activities that you can start today that helps you get closer to a better retention rate. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a ton of value right there. So like, absolutely do that. If you are a business owner and you're listening to this and you're having any kind of, even if you're not having trouble, like it's, it's good to look into it. Like when I'm, you know, for me, like I'll do a ton of research on something that has not yet happened or might not happen. Or like, I'll still like, I'm in a very happy relationship, but I'll still look into like, uh, uh, like, dating articles and stuff just to like keep things good, <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I think it's like, it, it's kind of like that same mentality of like, even if things are good in your business, you know, this kind of information coming from you and your newsletters and, and your emails um, will can make sure that they're keeping themselves in check so that they can, you know, <clears throat> check with their employees and make sure everything stays good. Exactly. <clears throat> so, um, so one, one, I guess one last big question. <laughs> uh, so what, uh, what, what really got you going into this? Is it something that you felt you saw a lot of difficulty in personal experience and you wanted to help other people and businesses, or is it just something, just a matter of opportunity mixed with your skill set, and you decided to just uh, dive in and do this? And that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have a quick answer for it, but I'll do my best. And so for, okay, perfect. Um, so for me, I got into, um, so basically I'm former foster youth. I used to be in foster care. And so my, my lifelong dream has been to, to reform foster care, to, Mm -hmm. to change the way that foster youth experience foster care and even more so change the way that they age out, that they emancipate. So to, to give them a much better chance of the chance that they have available to them today. And uh-huh. going through school and kind of growing up, I, I knew for me it was always going to be about having my own business and using that money to, to help foster, foster youth. Because the most uh-huh. common phrase that I heard as a child whenever I was asking for any of my needs uh, was that there's no money, there's no time for that. And mm-hmm. so I knew that that I would have to have some sort of business where I can use the profits to then grow my nonprofit. And actually, I'm so happy to be able to say that that I do have my nonprofit up now. It's called Blank Canvas Youth. And uh, we got 501c3 status in April of 2017. So officially, officially a nonprofit. Um, yeah, that, that's exciting considering I've wanted that since I was 12. Um, I'm mm-hmm. in my 30s now, so, so it's been a long road. And when I was going through school, I was looking into opportunities that would have residual income and opportunities into having a business. So first, straight after out of school, I started a company with my mom. It was a doggy daycare company. And unfortunately, my adopted mom was, was ill. Um, she had fibromyalgia and she had some, some heavy heart problems and it p- passed away about a year into our business. 
And although our company was doing great, she was a big part of it. And I just couldn't go back after, uh, after I had lost her. So I, I felt like I was in this fork in the road, this, this junction. And um, it was a really depressing place to be at too, because losing, lo- losing my, my mom, my adopted mom was, um, was the biggest loss of my life. And so I, I went into a, a depression for about two years or so, right as I was starting my insurance career. And I was looking for a job that I could do that would not be as intensive as starting my own company that I had just done with mom. And so insurance mm-hmm. just felt right. And I joined an organization um, that w- wasn't a good fit for me and really struggled there for almost a year until mm-hmm. uh, we decided or they, <laughs> they decided I wasn't keeping up with my quota. They were changing my quota every month. And um, I, I, I was let go. And so after that, it was a really a soul searching, soul searching time because I was in, you know, in, in the beginning of my career and not liking this insurance company. My mom had passed away and I, I needed to figure things out. So mm-hmm. oddly enough, um, the company that I work for now just reached out to me and left me a really interesting voicemail that was that I had called them back on. Um, and the interview went great. And I've been with, um, with this company for a, a very, very long time. And I don't like to mention uh, the insurance company name that I work with because I work with a team that, that we can pr- match the employer with any insurance provider. So it's less about the company that I was contracted with and more so about mm-hmm. what the employer needs. Um, but that was my personal story of how I got to insurance and how I got to the company that I work with now. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big personal journey that um, I think it's important to share. And I appreciate that you're willing to share that. Um, You know, I I think, I think it's important for people to realize that when somebody has something rad going on, at least I feel like what you're doing is rad. There is, there's a story that leads up to that and there is a motivation and, um, you know, sometimes difficult things in life can lead to good things and lead to positive motivations and lead us to good places. I think what you're doing is good for companies, good for businesses, good for people. And, um, you know, especially what you're doing for foster youth and, and, you know, having that reflect upon your story is a big deal. And I think it's important and I congratulate you on that. And, uh, you know, it's, I've realized it's difficult and heavy to talk about those sort of, those sort of things. I do it on my podcast all the time and it's really heavy. And, uh, but I, I really appreciate it. I think, I think a lot of people appreciate that, that you can be open about that. And um, I don't know, we're, I, I'm proud of you. I think a lot of people that would hear this are, are proud of you and what you've been doing and, um, and, and, and keep going with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Thank you. Yeah. I think that the, the average person just doesn't know a lot about the experience that foster youth have going on mm-hmm. in that world. Um, and so I, I've really wanted to bring more awareness and change to that space. And, 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 and I mean, not only the community knowing more about foster youth and, and what that experience is like, so they can step in and make that better, or at least be aware of what the situation is, but more so for the youth themselves to really help them heal the trauma. And to um, the reason why the company is called Blank Canvas Youth is because my purpose is really to give them a, a fresh start. 
and to right. to let them know that even even those terrible things that have happened and every foster youth their story is a little bit different even though a lot of us have similarities of some things that we've gone through every individual is different and how they feel about it is different so healing that trauma is a is a personalized approach you know it's not like a, a template or something attend these classes and after six weeks, you know, everything will be better. It's never like that. Everybody's journey is slightly different, but it's so important to, to be a community and to help foster you through that journey because it's a really lonely place and it leads to a lot of bad places like homelessness. Um, mm-hmm. So those are, um, those are the problems that I'm trying to help solve. And being an insurance representative and knowing my way around that, that world um, it's also really important for me to make sure that foster youth have medical benefits and that their medical needs are tended to. And mm-hmm. especially foster youth with disabilities, it's so easy for them to fall through the cracks and not really have their needs met. Um, and um, I step in for that. Yeah, I think all of the um, the, the the assets and knowledge that you're utilizing in the with businesses and helping them is a reflection of what you want to do with foster youth and the kids and 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 it's kind of like the the foster youth uh, a part of it is is kind of like the grander picture that i think a lot of us are trying to change when we're talking about building better relationships with people and being able to speak up for ourselves and and get what we get we what we want and the environment we want and the care that we want and the help that we want um you know, we want that for kids. We want that for people. And if we're able to do that in businesses and make that more commonplace, then that'll be passed down to children and they'll be passed along to other parts of society and life and be, be a big change for um, a lot of the way that we uh, um, give and hope for certain kinds of respect from people and from society, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think what you're doing is amazing, uh, both in business and with the Blank Canvas Youth. Um, do you, is there a, a website or a Facebook page for Black Can- Blank Canvas that um, people can go to to check that out? Yeah, it's blankcanvasyouth.org. Um, the website doesn't have a lot there right now. It's kind of got our mission statement, and uh, but but I'm working on making that better. Um, and if there is anybody who wants to. Uh, participate or donate or anything like that, you can reach out to me um, through my regular website through nataliayoungerlevy.com or schedule a call through me, with me through talktonatalia.com. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'd love to, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, definitely. And and if anyone wants to reach out to me, uh, to, to in order to reach out to her, you can give a call into my station here on Anchor or reach me at Rival My Design on any of the social channels or Christian at Rival.Design. And I'll happily pass along any any um, questions or information. Or if you want to donate, uh, you know, it's not always just money, it's services. Exactly. You know, for, I'm... Uh, you know, her and I will talk about, um, I, I do web design and graphic design and stuff like that. So maybe there are situations where I can help you with uh, with some design to and marketing to help spread the word. Like, I think that would be great. Um, so yeah. uh, thank you for thank you for your time, Natalia. Is there anything else you would like to, to pitch? I know you mentioned a couple of your websites. Um, if you want to just kind of like uh, give your, your website URL one more time and let people know how they can reach you. Sure. It's Natalia Younger Levy dot com um and 
a, a blank canvas youth.org or talk to natalia.com so those are all the perfect and you can always reach me on facebook too i'm pretty active on there um Yes. Thank you so much for, for inviting me to your podcast and it's been such a lovely conversation. Well, thank you. This has been great. This is, oh, uh, this is fantastic. I love this. It's probably one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. Um, so I'm going to check out, uh, I'm, I'm going to go sign up for the newsletter. You guys should go do that too. And uh, let's compare notes later. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks you, Natalia, for being on the show and uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Have a wonderful Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to C-Note FM. I hope it makes you want to take over the world or go, I don't know, flip a car or something positive like that. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and give it a good rating and all that good stuff and share with your friends and uh, let me know how you felt about it. Uh, go to HowMyNameIsChristian.com to find out more about me and what I do. And uh, I'll talk to you and see you next time.